Hello and welcome to today's podcast on DevSecOps. I'm your host, Dan Harrison, and I'm a senior consultant here at Capgemini Invent. And on today's podcast, I'm pleased to be joined by two DevSecOps experts who will be sharing their views. First, we have Matthias Madhu, who is the Chief Technology Officer for Secure Code Warrior, and KNG, a Senior Manager from Capgemini Invent's Future of Technology team. In today's digitally enabled world, organizations are constantly evolving their products and services to maintain a competitive advantage with the customer. Cloud computing and software development practices such as DevOps enable organizations to achieve high, high levels of agility, but often do so at the expense of security. Traditional security practices are failing to evolve at the same rate, and this has resulted in a number of high-profile organizations falling foul to cyber attacks. However, if done correct, DevSecOps offers a solution to this problem. And on today's podcast, our guests will be discussing what DevSecOps is, why is it so difficult to get right, and how you can make progress towards DevSecOps maturity. So without further ado, I welcome my first guest, Matthias. Do you mind introducing yourself and the company Secure Code Warrior? Absolutely. So thank you very much for having me. So my name is Matthias Madu. I um, I started my career at Ghent University in Belgium, uh, pursuing a PhD in application security. And with my PhD, I moved to a company called Fortify, where they um, are really good at finding problems in code. Um, their solution is, is absolutely stunning when it comes down to finding problems in code. And fortunately, what I realized during that time is um, it's it's really, really hard to um, eradicate these problems and making sure that you get rid of these problems and even better, making sure that developers are able to not introducing these problems in the first place. So with that knowledge, we started a company called um, Secure Code Warrior. And our objective with Secure Code Warrior is making sure that the developers have the tools and the knowledge to write secure code from the start. Um, if, if a developer and an organization is thinking about, hey, we should develop secure code from the start, they should immediately start thinking about Secure Code Warrior. That is our objective with Secure Code Warrior. Okay, great. Thank you, Matthias, and welcome. Kay, welcome. Same goes to you. Thanks, Dan. Um, I'm KNG. I'm a senior manager at Capgemini Invent. Um, my team, Future of Technology, um, helps clients to transform their IT so that they are ready for the future. So as we know, um, a lot of the industries now are facing new sets of emerging threats, uh, threats that they have never seen before. And the more traditional way of responding to uh, um, cyber attacks doesn't really work anymore. Um, so in Future of Technologies, we focus a lot about um, bringing different perspectives on to how to resolve security problems in the modern world. For example, a lot of our teams are cross-disciplinary consultants. They are trained in data, in user design, in cloud, um, so that we can bring different perspectives um, into security in the new, the fast-moving digital world. Okay, great. Thank you, Kay. Perhaps a good place to start is to understand what DevSecOps means to each of you. So, Matthias, would you first like to have a go at defining DevSecOps for us? Absolutely. So, um, if I think about DevOps, what I'm thinking about is, is shipping faster, getting pieces of code and pieces of functionality out in production faster. 
And we want to do that not by asking the developers to work harder and faster. No, we're asking the developers to work smarter. But um, to my knowledge, if, if I do a quick Google search, there's not really a, a unified number of pillars that people say, hey, this is what you really need to build on top of and to have DevOps successfully. So one thing that, that I looked into lately was um, CAM's methodology, culture, automation, measurement, and sharing for DevOps. And what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to do with DevSecOps is see how we can get the security in DevOps. And, and especially in that particular model, how can we get security in the DevOps methodology called CAMS into culture, into automation, into measurement, and into sharing? How can we make sure that in this new world of, of rapid development and rapid rapid shipping of code, how can we make sure that the security is baked into the culture and that automation of DevOps, that the automation of writing code also fits with security? How can we make our tools um, lenient enough that they fit into the automation cycle? Um, how can we measure security in a meaningful way? And how can we start sharing information in, in, in the most efficient way across the organization so that everybody knows about security principles and how to do it. So for me, DevSecOps is, is finding a way to embed security in this new world of, of, of DevOps. Great. And Kay, do you have anything to add to that definition? No, but I really like what Matthias has said. It's about embedding the security in DevOps. And that's why we have chosen like, uh, to go with the terminology DevSecOps rather than secure like sec before the DevOps. So it's all about embedding the security as part of the DevOps. Uh, absolutely. And Kay, whilst we've got you, um, where has the need for DevSecOps actually come from? What's the real problem that we're trying to address here? Well, I think to me, like um, there's always this debate, um, especially from the business perspective, right? You can either have some a product that is uh, designed like, at a cost effectively, or that um, is a high quality, or that is like produced very fastly to meet your need. And it's a, like a triangle that you have to choose what to prioritize and what to compromise. But I think it's a it's a traditional mindset that people needs to to challenge because what says that we can't have a digital product that is good quality that is secure at the same time as meeting the customer's need and being produced fast enough before it actually becomes obsolete. I think from like from invent perspective is that we wanted to um really to help organizations to meet that challenge, like deliver something that is good, fast and secure. Okay, great. And um, what are perhaps some of the biggest differences between DevSecOps and the older ways of working? Matthias, if you'd like to have a go at that one. Sure. So if I, if I look at the old way of working, then I think about waterfall. Um, and, and, and if we're trying to do security on top of waterfall, well, and, and quite often developers feel that it's a blocker. You know, we're sprinkling blockers on top of the waterfall model. And the waterfall model is old. You know, it's, it's, it's big projects, big chunks of work, um, very little interaction quite often until with the customer and with the end user until the big chunk of work is done. So I think the new way of working 
um, is is splitting that up in 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 meaningful chunks and do some rapid iterations. So old way of working, big chunks of work, new way of working is is these rapid iterations. And if we do that, I think we need to make sure that security embeds in there in these rapid iterations. We have to make sure that the security tests are not slowing down the developer. In the old way of working, quite often it was felt that security is slowing down production, writing code, getting things into uh, into the hands of the customers. So with with DevOps and DevSecOps, we have to make sure it fits into into that model. In old way of all the way of working, um, security comes at the end, really all the way at the end, and it's squeezed until, you know, uh, quite often what I saw is that um, um, developers are taking so long, close to the deadline, and then they hand it off to security intentionally to making sure that there's not a lot coming back and is not fitting into that cycle. So right now it has to be, you know, continuous testing. It has to be in there um, all the time. So um, there's no way of pushing that out all the way to the end. Yeah, absolutely. So this frictionless uh, security will prevent uh, security being an afterthought, essentially, all the way to the end of the uh, life cycle. Kay, do you have anything to add to that? I think that what um, Mattis has said has really pinpointed the the difference between the old way and the new way, um, that in the old way is coming at the end. And I think one of the reasons is because of the the, um, the root of security is back uh, down, uh, back to um, military background is all about us being superior and us being the security person being the uh, um, more close to the users because the whole thing is about keeping users away from security and you can also see from the like um, from how the what the industry was like is a lot about uh, the expertise you see a lot of certifications after security practitioners' names and how traditional is such a male-dominant um, um, profession as well. And I think that is why collaboration, uh, thinking about users um, in the design of security is such a new and modern uh, ways of doing security. Absolutely. So I think uh, we've got a pretty good idea of what DevSecOps is and why we need it. But my question is now, where do we start? How should an organization go about embedding security into their software development lifecycle? So Kay, would you first like to explain a bit more about Capgemini's DevSecOps framework to help with this? Yes, sure. So I think for DevSecOps to Capgemini is a problem at the top, which is about the culture. And then there's a and that's also the problem at the operational level. So let's target the operational level first. And so in Capgemini, we use a touchpoint frame, framework to talk about um, or to help the clients to diagnose um, where they need improvement in security along the SDLC, the software, life, um, the software development life cycle. And it depends on a client's um, at context, it can be from five touch points to seven touch points, and that's pretty much the common uh, scenario that we have seen at client side. So the touch points commonly are on the education of the developers, like uh, uh, secure code warriors, a target audience. That's also about the second is about the governance 
um, what kind of guidance are you going to give to the developers? And how strict are you going to do that? And how are you going to enforce that? So that's the framework, um, the governance of it. That is uh, typically the second touch point. And then there's also about the uh, code review and code uh, testing. Um, so that's another common touch point, uh, depending on how continuous that process is for a client's um, um, SDLC. And then lastly is uh, the monitor and, and, and response capability that has always been traditionally a better capability um, in, in the industry. But I think the questions nowadays that are you monitoring the right thing and whether they are really um, monitoring the, the targeted use cases. So these are the more like at an operational level, we use these touch points to um, to help a client to improve their security in the DevOps, like uh, in the agile application development. But we also talk about like, we also talk about um, the top level, right? Because there's only so much uh, uh, developers can do at operational le level. If you, we don't get that buy-in like from the top management, then it's really difficult for this discipline, uh, these new ways of working to become um, um, like a norm for an organization. So I think at the top level for executives, we really encourage them to think along three principles. First is about the um, educate, like how are you going to educate uh, the developers on DevSecOps, as well as the security people, how should they cooperate with the wider organizations um, to achieve DevSecOps um, in the new way, uh, in the new digital world. Second is automate, like there's only few numbers of security experts uh, in an organization. So how can we amplify their impact um, with that, with that like, constraint? Uh, so the automation, self-service is something that executives need to think about. And then the last one is about uh, monitoring and monitoring for exceptions rather than compliance with so many things going on in an organizations. There's no way that an organization can like, monitor the compliance at every single step um, because they would just be overwhelmed with data and, and also there won't be enough investments to do that. So it's more about like, doing targeted monitoring for exceptions. So I think um, we have the, frame, the framework in Capgemini is one set for the top, the three key, key principles that they need to follow, and another set like for operational people, so which is more tangible and more executable. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I thought it was very clear. You've got two sets of audience here. You've got your senior management, and then you've finally got the, uh, the developers and the operational staff. Matthias, do you have anything to add to that? Um, and what would Secure Code Warrior's approach to embedding security be? Sure. So I, I can definitely pick in. I, I think it's very interesting what you've mentioned, Kay. I think um, it definitely starts with the, the culture at the top, as, as, you, as you said initially. I think everybody in the organization has to rally around um, security. 
it is not a, a separate department somewhere um, in the organization that is magically going to fix everything. So it definitely starts with with the people. Um, it, it's definitely a people problem, but more in particular, yes, um, the, the the leaders of that particular business they have to rally around security and say, yes, this is a top priority in our organization. We want to fix that. We want to fix that across our organization, um, and and only if they say um, it has to happen, it will happen. So um, um, your your question, where where does it start? It starts with the people. Um, tools only become secondary to that. Um, only when the people believe in it, when the organization rallies around it, it is trying to find ways on how to get tooling in place and tools in place to uh, work with the developers to get um, security into the, the development lifecycle. Absolutely. Um, one one thing to to pick up on 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 what you've just mentioned, um, uh, uh, Kai, was the fact that hey, um, security people. Well, um, I think our, our our principle needs to be that we need to take security closer to the developer. The, you've mentioned hey, there's a, a shortage in experts. Um, there's not enough experts. Um, what we see right now is there's roughly one application security person per 100 developers. That is not enough. You cannot guide 100 developers. Um, all at once. So, so bring that closer to the developer. Make sure that the developer understands how to write secure code. Um, that that is essential to us. Um, otherwise, it's not going to happen. Um, it's not going to happen. There's the shortage, and um, I think it's it's going to stay that way. The shortage is it's gonna it's gonna be there forever. Um, what what we're doing is um, we shift from being reactive at this time. If we look at the market, if we look at what organizations are doing, they're they're very reactive in responding to security to proactive. And what that means is um, we want to make sure that the developer really um, gets the training, a relevant training, um, so that he can write secure code from the start or that he can also improve his code so that it is secure. So if he sees a piece of code and he can spot problems in there, that he is able to fix these problems in the code. So what we're doing with Secure Code Warrior is, is we offer a, a training solution um, that is um, in a scalable way. It's a SaaS solution. So it's an, it's an online platform so that developers can take training in their language and framework that they're using on a day-to-day basis. So if you're a Java EE developer, you get a Java EE training. If, if you're a COBOL developer, you get a COBOL training um, because currently we're supporting almost 30 languages and frameworks. Um, it has to be relevant. It has to... Um, um, it, the developer, if he goes back to his desk and he's working on his code, it should be recognizable. He should say, yes, I've seen this in, the, in, that, in that Secure Code Warrior platform. Now I know how to write this code in a more secure way. Um, so that is, is what we're offering. Um, we we uh, do that in a gamified way. We make sure that it is engaging for a developer, making sure that he enjoys the training. Um, so it, it, is, it, is, it is not um, a video training. It is not... Um, a boring training. No, it's a hands-on training. They're looking at code. Um, they look into solutions. Um, we guide them. We help them. And and essentially, that was, that's our primary flagship right now with Secure Code Warrior, which is the training solution. Next to that, we're looking into and we're working on some tools that can help the developer on a day-to-day basis writing these um uh, writing secure code, meaning, hey, if they're in their bug tracker, drag tracker and they need to fix a problem 
um, if if they have some questions and and they're on Slack trying to find answers, well, we we would like to be there in an automatic fashion. So just in time training, making sure that we give them the relevant bits and pieces at the time at their fingertips when they need it. That's that's what we're trying to achieve with Secure Code Warrior. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. Um, and I think what's different about Secure Code Warrior is this idea of continuous education. Um, in my experience on client sites, um, I see developers being educated on security perhaps once or twice a year, and it's usually in a PowerPoint pack. Uh, whereas what Secure Code Warrior offers is um, it's this platform that they can utilize when they've got a few minutes of downtime each day, because that's really the most effective way of, of learning, really. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. Um, it, it, it's it's like learning a new language. You, you cannot say one day, you know what, this week I'm going to learn an entire new language. It's, it's not going to happen. You forget things. There's a forgetting curve. So you, you need to practice it. The more you practice it, the more you um, interact with, with that and the more you, you, you um, go through exercises, the better you become at it. Absolutely. That's good. So I think that uh, now we know where we're going to start with DevSecOps. What other types of challenges an organization can expect when trying to move to uh, a DevSecOps way of working? Uh, Matthias, do you want to go at that one? Um, challenges? Uh, I think the, the number one challenge is I think the, the entire organization has to rally around it. That's that's for sure the first thing. And that's the number one challenge. If there's no culture in place that where, where senior management and where uh, top level executives say yes, we're going to do that. It's not going to. It's not going to happen. So, so that is number one. Um, the the next challenge is um, making sure that people see security as an enabler. Because up until now, we are seen as the blockers. Let's let's be honest. For the last decade, it's always about blocking. Um, it's not about hey, how can we get this faster in production? How can we um, get things moving into the right direction? No, it's about the no sayers. We're, we're we're known as the no sayers. So with security, we need to think about hey, how can we convince um, that we can help? We can help you getting that piece into production faster um, without. Um, um, without being slammed afterwards with a pen test that will stop your 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 development altogether and needs fixing. So I think that's the the the, the number one thing that we have to focus on: enabling the developers to write secure codes. Okay, great. Okay, you got anything to add to those challenges? Um, I think I would like to just dig a bit deeper on what Matthias has said about the um the challenge in terms of the culture, and I think a lot of that is, um the organization's focus. So there's never like um, a focus to ask developers to write code that is secure, right? And there's never a requirement on our security people to help with the code throughput. So now we are just really living like the impact of it is that, okay, one part of the organization is the dev uh, developers are focusing on the throughput and then the um the um the security people say oh no 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 you need to like or focus on the security so we are now in this like kind of kind of a, the conflicts um of it um so i think it's a one part of it is the the organization like how organizations develop the skill set of their employees and also the other the wider question is for a lot of companies um especially big companies, they are set up in um, a functional way. 
So back from the 80s, where they are focusing on functional experts because the survival of a company depends on the efficiency and cost effectiveness. And that actually becomes a, a blocker in a lot of the culture things that um, DevSecOps is trying to encourage, like embedding security like in, the, in development means that they have to break through these silos. And I think that is one of the, the challenges that we see the most uh, often in organizations. Um, and that's why it's also one of the things that we need to address and it's a challenging to address. Okay, great. And so and as DevSecOps experts, um, where have you been helping your clients overcome some of these challenges? Kay, are you able to give any insights on that? Uh, yes. So I think um, a lot of the clients are already thinking about that. Um, but when we talk about, hey, uh, changing the operating model, um, it sometimes feels um, a bit too soft, too difficult for them to grasp the idea. So a way that um, Capgemini likes to um, help the clients to resolve this challenge is that by giving them the, the facts and in two ways. One is number. We talk a lot about the data and security. Um, so what kind of, um, from your tooling, um, what kind of, uh, how many vulnerabilities are you getting? What are they related to? Uh, or in education, say, oh, how many of your developers are actually um, using the tools such as a secure code warrior to improve their trainings? And does that have a real impact on the code that they develop? So data tool to us is a very, um, it's a more tangible way and easier to understand um, in terms of gauging the security posture of an organization or an application. And the other side of it is that the human side of it. So in Capgemini, we also talk about user design thinking to map out what is a developer's journey in getting the code uh, to production. What are the pain points, uh, particularly with uh, along the touch point with securities? So when you, when the magic really happens when you combine um, data and user journeys to highlight what is the challenge uh, in doing uh, DevSecOps in the client, and with that kind of um, analysis, it really helps to. Um, to bring the the um the problem to light, to uh quantify it, and to put together an actionable um plan for organizations to uh, to address the issue. And I think more importantly is about that continuous improvement and how do we track that um um the metrics to to indicate that okay uh, things are improving or or things are not working, uh, which particular area is the hotspot that we need to invest more. And I, I think that is the part where um, invent is different. 
Yeah, Kay, Kay I think I, I can definitely jump in here with data. Um, um, absolutely. So we really like that approach too, where you, you look at data, you look at metrics. And um, for us, um, how we help our customers is really trying to figure out what kind of piece that they want to address here. For example, what you've just mentioned was like, hey, look at the vulnerabilities, number of vulnerabilities, categories of vulnerabilities. That's exactly where we where, where we pick in and say, hey, um, for example, for this year, pick a, pick a category. Pick a category, um, the most relevant category for your organization. So based on data that comes out of your organization, pick the biggest problem. And let's see what we can do this year to address that. Let's give the developers a very specific training in their language and their framework in, in, in an engaging way to tackle that one specific problem. And at the end of the year, let's remeasure. Let's look at the data again. Did we improve? How much did we improve? Um, um, so, so I couldn't agree more with, with your analysis. And, and in general, um, what we're doing with our organizations is really um, if we come in, we try to figure out what is your goal, what do you would like to achieve, um, um, how can we really engage developers, what is your culture, because for our, for, for our solution, we want to make sure it fits the culture of the organization. Um, so the way we see it is when we initially come in, um, we call it the crawl phase. We look at what your goal is. And we try to understand your organization, the culture, the programs that are in place. And we figure out how our solution fits in there. You know, um, uh, our platform can be used in many different ways. We, we have um, a training mode or a, we have a tournament mode where people play against each other. We have an assessment mode, which is more rigorous if you need compliancy, for example. So we're, we're trying to figure out in the initial phase, the crawl phase, what do you want to achieve? Then we finalize that with, with management, with stakeholders. We onboard developers. We call this the walk phase, where we're slowly but steadily um, trying to get something going into the organization. But also what you've mentioned with, with monitoring and fast feedback loops, I think that's, that's very typical for, for DevOps or DevSecOps. Um, you, you constantly have to adjust. You, know, you figure out what's working, what's not working, and, and you, you, you go with the stuff, of course, that is working, and you do it at bigger scale. Um, and ultimately, you, you run, you onboard all the developers, you have an official launch, um, but make sure, again, the measurement is super important. Make sure that you can prove your ROI, um, why the training or the security, um, uh, 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 the, the security initiative as, as itself is really interesting for an organization and measure the impact, measure the impact of, of of your training, of your security initiative in your organization. I think that's how we help our customers um, by providing them with a resource um, so that we make sure that our solution fits into your organization. I think that's definitely um, uh, what we're achieving with, with our customers. Brilliant, thank you, Matthias. So I think that's a, a good place to end our discussion today. It's quite clear that DevSecOps can be a business enabling opportunity and that empowering developers to make the right security decisions from the outset can save a lot of time, money and uh, general unhappiness in the future. So I'd like to thank my two guests for joining me today, Matthias Madhu from Secure Code Warrior and KNG from Capgemini Invent. Both Capgemini Invent and Secure Code Warrior are frequent publishers of online content when it comes to DevSecOps. So please go ahead and uh, take a look if you'd like to learn more about anything that was discussed in the podcast today. And finally, please remember to subscribe to the Capgemini podcast using your favorite podcast app. Thank you.